Church, I have, have missed all of you dearly. It's been a very interesting past couple of weeks uh, from men's ministry to camp meeting. A couple of weeks ago, we had Carlton Bird here. We had him here at Friday night, then we went to the FSU campus. Um, we had a wonderful, wonderful time there. You know, Carlton Bird, um, he is the preacher that pastors go to listen to. And so those of you who had a chance to go there, uh, you know what, you, would, you, you, you know that, that we, just, we just really were filled with, with joy and we were able to really learn a lot about God. Those of you who missed it, well, tough. Uh, I, think, I think we may have recorded it, I'm not sure. Um, so if we did, it might be on our Facebook website and I think the Friday night will be on the podcast as well. By the way, I don't know how many of you know that the sermons are recorded, and we have it on a site where you can listen to. We have the podcast. We also have the Facebook page. And eventually, at some point, we got to iron some things out first. But I would love for us to move into a place where we can stream our services as well and, and be able to do that. It would be nice to do that, but we have some things to work on. Continue to keep us in prayer. But today, let me tell you what we're doing. I know it's been a while, but if you notice the last couple of messages that I have preached Leading up to this, it was about spiritual gifts. And we talked before about creating high-rise Christians. You know, to create a high-rise, you have to be deeply rooted and deeply grounded, okay? It can't just be, you know, those little fluffed-up uh, uh, roots in a tree. Those trees, any hurricane come, a little, a little wind, you sneeze the wrong way, and it falls down. You want to be high-rise Christians. You need a solid foundation. Remember that? Yeah. Well, today, we're going to go ahead and talk about spiritual gifts. Now, what we're not going to do... We're not going to dissect every single gift. Instead, we're going to talk about what is the purpose of spiritual gifts. In other words, I can spend a message, a sermon, on each gift that are given there. And then the fruit of the Spirit on top of that, and then all these other things like that great commandment that Christ gave and the other commandment like unto it, loving your neighbor, loving God. There's many topics in scriptures that we could spend a lot of time in. In the spiritual gifts, many of them. But what is the purpose? And that's what we're going to focus on. So I want you to go with me in your scriptures. Turn with me in your scriptures to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll begin on verse 1. And when you have it, please say amen. This is 1 Corinthians 12. And I want you to go with me there because I need you to see this directly from the word of God. Where it says what the gifts are all about. And then we're going to go to Ephesians after that too. So 1 Corinthians 12, beginning on verse 1. And when you have it, say amen. amen. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning on verse 1. And I'm reading from the New King James Version, beginning on verse 1. And it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts. What are we talking about? Spiritual gifts. What's today's sermon title? Spiritual, spiritual gifts, right? Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Verse 2. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. By the way, I learned that in the old English, dumb was like mute. They couldn't speak. They, they, they couldn't hear. They're, you know, that, that's what the word was. It's not how we use dumb now. I had a sermon some years ago that I put in the title, Don't Ask Why You're Dumb. And I was making reference to why are you speechless. And people got offended by it. It was it's old English. You know, these this idols, they're, they're mute. They can't talk. However, you were led. Verse 3, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God 
calls Jesus a curse. So if you have the Spirit, you're not going to talk bad about Jesus. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same what? Lord. 6. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one so that we can keep it to ourselves. What does it say there? For the profit of all. For the profit of each other. For the profit of all. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. And when you're making your way there, I want to break down what we just read in 1 Corinthians. So make your way to Ephesians chapter 4. But in 1 Corinthians, this is what we're reading. There's a mixture of things. There's a mixture of gifts and ministries and diversities and so forth. But the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God. And the reason why each one gets something is for the benefit of all or for the profit of all. This is why two things are true as we read the scriptures. First of all, everybody has at least one gift. Second of all, not one person possesses them all. Because spiritual gifts are intended so that all of us can work together. So that all of us can be as one. There's all these different sections in scriptures when it talks about the body being one and Christ being the head. And you know, somebody's a pinky and they says, well, how come I'm not an ear? Or how come I'm not a nose or a mouth or whatever else? Because we all have to fit together with Christ being the head. This is what the purpose of this is. And it is for the profit of every single individual. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. When everybody have it, please say Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning on verse 11, look what he says. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Twelve, why did he do this? For the equipping of the saints, so that they could sit around, warm up the pews in the church, and just talk about how great or how poor the service was today. I'm sorry, what does it say on there? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. So you're all gifted because you belong to the body of Christ. It's for the work of ministry so that the task can be carried out. You know, there's a couple of things that we get as pastors. We get all of the time. And and I've learned to read between the lines. I know how to read church members. I know how to read your English church language. Pastor, I think someone should really ought to, should have, could have, would, should do something like this. What you mean is, I think you should do this, Pastor. Rather than, I, Pastor, why doesn't the church do whatever? What I mean is, why doesn't the elders and the other few people that are already overworked do more? Because I'm not happy with what is being done. That's really what you're saying. But look what it says. Given to each one for the profit of all in the previous chapter. Now in this one, for the equipping of the church, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Come on now, you can't say amen. Say ouch. Verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so Joey, I want you to understand something. When I first got baptized, I was on fire. I was working heavily. But you know what? 
Let somebody else do the work now. You know, I've done enough. I I pay my dues. I've done my time. Let a rookie step up on there. But according to the scriptures, we're all gifted for the equipping and the edifying of the church, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And how long do we do this? Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Does this church right here represent the perfect man and the body of Christ? If we ain't finished, then we ain't finished working either. Come on now. I mean, this is directly from the word of God. And until that glorious day when the body is fully edified, when people say, wow, I look at that church and I see Christ Jesus all over the place. Notice it says the unity of faith. We can't even stand to see next to each other from time to time. Come on now. Yeah, and so that's the idea. That's why gifts are given to us so that we can work together, be united for the edifying, for the stature, the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carry about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body join and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Let me read that one more time because I don't think you're getting it here. But according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Are you seeing directly from the word of God why it is that we're given spiritual gifts? We are meant to put them to work. There is no way, Auntie Ellen says, that in order for us to develop a character like Christ, we must be partakers in his mission. Christ could have finished the work all by himself. But in order for us to develop a character like him, we got to partake in his mission. And I have to tell you, I have to tell you, I know some of you are saying, well, you know, I I just can't do this anymore. We're doing nominated committee right now. And in, in Tallahassee, we are trying to switch to two years. We're asking people who have done this job before, will you serve for two years? I tried to do this in Crawfordville, and they said, Pastor, we may not even be alive in two years. We should really stick to the one year, just in case we're not around by then. I don't want to make a commitment that I can't keep from the grave. And, you know, they're having that conversation. But, you know, I, I am reminded of the scriptures in the book of Joshua. I mean, here you have 40-something years later, Caleb, you know, he's saying, look, you know, I am old, but I am as strong now as I was strong then. Give me the mountain, bring it on, and I'm ready to go. Why? Because he serves the God of God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And I don't care how old you are, there's much that you can still do for the church and if you're young, shame on you. You have absolutely no excuse to be a bench warmer. And if you're young, attach yourself to somebody that has a little bit of more experience so that they can be your Jethro to you, being Moses, and, and walk you through and carry you and be with you and help you and advise you and counsel you. But as a church together, we have an important 
role to play each one of us alike. Now, I do want to tell you something that you don't want to do. And something that happens, and this is taken from the book Spiritual Gifts, volume 2, page 226. It says that the testimony to the Laodicean church was generally received, but some in the East were making bad use of it. Instead of applying it to their own hearts, they were using the testimony to oppress others. In other words, they took what they had, they took the gifts, they took the things, and they were just beating people in the side of the head. And so the the, the book continues here. Professors of religion are not willing to closely examine themselves to see whether they are in the faith. And it is a fearful fact that many are leaning on false hopes. Some lean upon an old experience that they had years ago when all should have a daily experience. They have nothing to relate. They seem to think a profession of the truth will save them. And so here's what it's saying here. Sister White is mentioning something very important here because we have that. This is similar to the parable of the ten virgins. The parable of the ten virgins, notice that they all had oil. Notice that they all had the Holy Spirit. Notice that they all fell asleep. But when they woke up, some of them did not have enough. Why? Because they relied on the good old days. And we do this as human beings. We uh, over-exaggerate the past. We underestimate today, and we overestimate tomorrow. We have a tendency to talk about the good old days, and I used to do this and that. We need to daily have a relationship with God. I could care less how much you studied the Word of God and how much you ministered to people a decade ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I could care less how many foreign countries you visited to do a mission trip, and you're saying, oh, yeah, 20 years ago I did this in Korea, and I did this in Japan. Good for you. What are you doing today? When was the last time you shared the gospel message? When was the last time you shared with others the good news that Christ is coming soon to take us home? Doing something back in the day is not good enough. Suddenly you are deceiving yourself into thinking that you've already attained and you no longer need to do anything else. And you know what that means if that's what we're thinking? That you really don't comprehend what God has done in your life. If we believe that Christ is coming very soon, if we believe that there are people out there that have no idea who Christ is, if we believe that salvation only comes through Christ, then why are we just being so lackadacious in sharing the gospel message with everyone that we come in contact with? You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a theologian. You can serve God in your giftedness, and you can share with others what Christ has done in your life. If you, Christ has done wonderful things in your life, we all have something to say. You don't need to have the Bible memorized to say, this is what Jesus did for me. Come on now. You can't say amen. Say out. <laughs> My God is an awesome God. Look what it says here. Continue on page 226 of Spiritual Gifts, Volume 2. It will be more pleasing to the Lord if lukewarm professors of religion had never named his name. They're in a continuum Wait to those who will be faithful followers of Christ. They are a stumbling block to unbelievers. Such are a curse to the cause at home or abroad. They draw nigh to God with their lips while their hearts are far from him. Many, I saw, were flattering themselves that they were good Christians who have not a single ray of light from Jesus. They know not what is to be renewed by the grace of God. They have no living experience for themselves in the things of God. Dear friends, 
Do not deceive yourselves concerning your condition. You cannot deceive God, says the true witness, I know thy works. The third angel is leading up a people step by step, higher and higher. At every step, they will be tested. And so this is the conclusion of that paragraph there, because this is what's happening. And I, and I have to be careful with this, but I want you to understand this. I mentioned this analogy about a year ago. I gave you the analogy that if I'm wet, it doesn't mean that I went swimming. But if I'm swimming, I can't come out dry. Do you understand what I mean? And so this is the thing. If you truly love Christ and you walk with Christ and Christ has done a transformation in your life, you can't help it but to share Christ with others. So in other words, sharing Christ with others doesn't mean that you're walking with Christ. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, shall be saved. But if you claim to walk with Christ and you aren't sharing with him with others, then you need to be converted anew. Do you see the distinction? So don't just do work to be saved. Salvation is a gift. We studied that this morning. We studied in our Sabbath school lesson the love of Christ, the love of the Holy Spirit, the love of God the Father, the assurance of salvation. It is a gift. But you can't claim to have a relationship with him and walk with him and refuse to do anything for him. It just doesn't work. It's like a dry swimmer. There's no such thing. Are we good? Amen. Let's go ahead and take a look at the word of God. And I want you to see why this is so important. Uh, let's look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, beginning of verse 17. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And I want you to take a look here because we need to understand this concept of the Holy Spirit a bit more. And the works that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And what's going to happen in the end times. And we need to be very aware of this. Because you see that same power that was available in the scriptures is available to us today. Acts chapter 2 verse 17 and 18. This is what it says. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Now, this is not the first time we see this. We see it also in Joel, almost word for word. Joel chapter 2, it says, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Verse 29, And also my maid servants and my men servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So you see it in Acts, you see it in Joel. It's talking about what's going to happen with the Holy Spirit. The same God who was working then is working now. The same helper who was available then is available now. The same Holy Spirit that poured out upon the disciples is available to be poured out upon us right now. And that's where we have the gifts of the Spirit. And that's where we have the fruit of the Spirit. And that's why the Holy Spirit is here for us to work in us and through us for the benefit of all. But if we don't allow God to do that, if we cripple the Almighty God, then He is completely helpless in our lives. And some people say, well, God is almighty. He is omnipotent. He can do it all. What do you mean that he's powerless? Well, look at Matthew. Look at Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, verse 58. And when you have it, say amen. Matthew 
Matthew 13, verse 58, it says, And he did not do many miracles there because of their what? Because their unbelief. When you read the counterpart to the story on Mark 6, 5 through 6, it says, And he could do no miracle there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Verse 6, And he wondered at their unbelief, and he was going around the villages teaching. And so because of their unbelief, they ran Christ powerless. He couldn't do a whole lot of miracles there. Why? Because of their lack of faith and their lack of belief. There's a big distinction between believing in God and allowing his power to really be manifested and doubting him and not believing in him. Look at Mark chapter 2. Go with me to Mark chapter 2, beginning of verse 5. And when you have it, say amen. Mark chapter 2, beginning of verse 5. Look what it says here in, in Mark, chapter, uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 5. When Jesus saw their what? Their faith. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. From there, some people doubted, who is this? Blasphemy, why are you trying to forgive sins and so forth? And he says, you know what? So that they may believe what is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. And he performed yet another miracle there. And they saw that. But it was because he saw their what? He saw their faith. Go to Mark 9, verse 23. Mark 9, verse 23. Someone asked Jesus if something was possible. And look how Jesus responded in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. When you have it, say amen. Jesus said to him, If you can believe... Some things, once in a while, are possible to him who believes. What does it say there? If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And so you see, you have to understand something, that the gap that has happened between Bible time and now, that same power, that same glory is available to us right now. If we're not getting that same power, that same glory, that same blessing, it's not a reflection on God, it's a reflection on us. It is because we ourselves are doubting him and we ourselves are not asking for it. Look at Acts of the Apostle, page 50. Look what it says. Since this is the means by which we are to receive power, why do we not hunger and thirst for the gifts of the Spirit? Why do we not talk of it, pray for it, and preach concerning it? The Lord is more willing to give the Holy Spirit to those who serve him than parents are to give good gifts to their children. And yet, we're not yearning for it. We're not asking for it. Page 111 of Acts of the Apostles. Long has God waited for the spirit of service to take possession of the whole church, so that everyone shall be working for Him according to His ability. When the members of the church of God do their appointed work in the needy fields, at home and abroad, in fulfillment of the gospel commission, the whole world will soon be warned, and the Lord Jesus will return to this earth with power and great glory. You know, I've been here a little bit over two years, and almost every other message, I keep pointing out to you, we need a minister. Yet guess what? You are that minister. People need to share the gospel message. You are the royal priesthood. You are the holy nation. You don't need a minister to preach to you. The churches are dying, says Auntie Ellen, and the people want a minister to preach to them when they should be taught to go out there and share the gospel message with others. 
You guys ought to do that, and that is part of the work. When the whole church comes together, the work will be finished. The work will be completed. Last day events, page 75. Everywhere there's a tendency to substitute the work of organizations for individual efforts. Human wisdom tends to consolidation, to centralization, to the building up of great churches and institutions. Multitudes leave the institutions and organizations the work of benevolence. They excuse themselves from contact with the world and their heart grows cold. They become self-absorbed and unimpressible. Love for God and man dies out of the soul. You know, (laughs) I know sometimes it's easier to minister by writing a check, sending a brochure. But when was the last time we rubbed shoulders with people in the community? You know, Jesus says something silly like, you are the salt of the earth. And I have to tell you, if salt is here and the food is here, it would never get some salt in it unless he touches it and rubs shoulders with it. Let me ask you a question. Look at, and I always ask this, but look at your contacts in your phone book on your phone. Or if you have one of those cool rotaries, how many of them are non-Christians? How many of them are non-Adventists? How many friends do you talk to on the weekly basis that are not from the church? How in the world are we supposed to share the gospel message with the young church if we're not rubbing shoulders with them, seasoning them, and giving them some flavor? I mean, what good is salt just sitting on the side and not actually touching my food? What good is salt just sitting on the pews and not actually rubbing shoulders with the world? We have a task and we have a mission. Ministry of Healing, page 147. Christ commits to his followers an individual work. A work that cannot be done by proxy. Ministry to the sick and the poor, the giving of the gospel to the lost, is not to be left to committees or organized charities. Individual responsibility, individual effort, personal sacrifice is the requirement of the gospel. Ministry of Healing, page 112. Communion with God will ennoble the character and the life. Men will take knowledge of us as of the first disciples, that we have been with Jesus. This will impart to the worker a power that nothing else can give. Of this power, he must not follow, allow himself to be deprived. We must live a twofold life, a life of thought and action, of silent prayer and earnest work. Now, I want you to understand this twofold life, and, and, and I want you to picture this. Imagine the whole equipping and imagine the whole work. Imagine that I say to my kids, hey kids, you know what? Let's get prepared to go to the beach. Let's get the sunblocks. Let's get the floaties. Let's get the flippers. Let's get the goggles. Let's get the towels. Let's get the buckets. Let's get the scoops and stuff, the shovels for sand. Let's get it all ready. Let's load it up in the car. And once they're done, daddy, we're done. Great. Now go brush your teeth and shower. It's time to sleep. You mean I got equipped, I got prepared, I packed up, I'm ready to go, and I don't get to do anything with it? You mean as a church, we get a variety of gifts, we have a complete body, some pastors, some teachers, some apostles, I mean, you're all there, and we just sit here and do nothing? I mean, this is like a football team that practices and never plays a game. I mean, this is like soldiers who get ready for war, and they never battle. I mean, this is like children of God who are equipped by the Holy Spirit, and yet 
They're not out there in the trenches using the Holy Spirit. James 2, 17 and 18, it says that faith without works is dead. Verse 18, it says, I will show you my faith by my works. Great Controversy 530. It says, no man is safe for a day or an hour without prayer. Steps to Christ 101 says, he who does nothing but pray will soon cease to pray. And so, family, if you've gotten anything out of what I've just shared, and I know I said it in multiple ways, and I know beat you with the scriptures and some of Auntie Ellen left and right. Here's the thing. Spiritual gifts are given to us to finish the work. The same Holy Spirit that was available then is available now. And the Holy Spirit grows in you as you allow him to work through you. And there's a lot of things you could do. We have some wonderful ladies in this church that for every birthday that we have, every anniversary, uh, you know, we get these little cards and stuff and we're thinking of you and, and happy birthday. Even something as basic as that, you're ministering to me. You're ministering to my families when, when, you, when you remember us. And it is much appreciated. And it is much welcome. Basic things can be done. You don't have to all be preachers. You don't have to all be Sabbath school teachers. We all have our part in the body of Christ. And so my challenge to you, I want you to pray over the next two weeks. I'll be back in two weeks. Next, next week I'm over in Crawfordville. But I'll be back in two weeks. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more. And we're going to develop this a little bit more. But your prayer and your homework for the next two weeks. Ask God where he will have you serve in his kingdom. And remember... We are part of his kingdom. The second thing, ask God for an opportunity to just send two people into your life this week that you can just share a few words about what God has done in your life. So ask God where he will have you serve and ask him to give an opportunity to share the gospel message. I want to go home. I want to go home. And my God loves us so much that even though you've been hearing over and over that Christ is coming very soon, He's holding back, not because he's taking his sweet time on purpose or because it's not true to his word. He's holding back for you and I to completely give our lives to him. He's holding back for our neighbors, our coworkers, and our loved ones to have an opportunity to meet Christ and know who Christ Jesus is. But how will they know unless you go and share Christ with them? That's what the gospel message is all about. We have a God the Father who loves us so much that sent his son to die for us so that we do not perish as we believe in him, but rather have everlasting life. And then God said, Christ said, and in the scriptures throughout, you need to go, therefore, and tell others all that I share with you. You put all of that together. You receive Christ. You share Christ. You really have what our purpose is in this world until Christ comes again. I want to ask you to pray with me. And then after we pray, pay attention because I want to give you some instructions. I want to invite you to join us for communion. Okay, so let us go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father God, I want to thank you for being an amazing God. And I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here in this church. I ask, Father God, that you show us where it is that you will have us serve. But also give us opportunities, bring people into our lives that we can minister to on your behalf and share what an amazing God you are. May you be with us right now. May you bless us and keep us. This is my prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
Let everyone here say, Amen.